Welcome to the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. This is Rami, and I'm your host for this episode on Detroit Soup. You'll meet Amy Kahurl. She's the executive director of Detroit Soup. Amy shares her very intimate thoughts and strong opinions about the kind of help Detroit entrepreneurs need. At the end, of course, you'll hear a full song by an artist curated by Detroit's Assemble Sound. Okay, before you meet Amy, I want to welcome back Jensen. He's been away for about three months, and I've certainly missed his fun facts. I think he has a little something about soup. Hey guys, this is Jensen with your fun fuel for this week's episode. I felt appropriate to find some fun facts on soup since this is the Detroit Soup Podcast. So here we go. In 2014, Campbell's Noodle Soup celebrated their 80th anniversary. Wow, they've been around for a while. The first ever soup was created around 6000 BC and was made out of the hippopotamus. Now soup isn't always hot though. For those in warmer climates like Spain, cold soup is a good alternative. Tomato-based cold soup is very popular in Spain. Now many soups that seem suitable for vegetarians are actually not. For example, French onion soup is commonly made with a beef broth base. Very interesting. Now there are suggestions that the word soup can be tracked back to the 6th century Latin word suppa, which means piece of bread eaten in broth. Well that's it for your fun fuel for this week's episode. Enjoy! Thanks Jensen, it's so good to have you back on the podcast. I love fun facts. Now let me set up the conversation I had with Amy. First of all, you'll hear a bit of an echo as we were sitting in sort of an industrial makerspace called Pony Ride. Pony Ride is just that, it's a maker manufacturing space with I think about 50 or so manufacturing entrepreneurs. So many of our social enterprise clients have spaces in Pony Ride. So that's a little shout out for Pony Ride. I was drawn to Amy as a guest for the show because she's a social entrepreneur herself. Her organization, Detroit Soup, has been the catalyst for many of the businesses that exist today in Detroit. And as you'll hear, she's very brave about expressing herself and is very passionate about helping others grow and succeed. So let's drop in on my conversation with Amy. Okay, welcome, Amy. I've been so excited to interview you. You're all over the news. A lot of people know about you at Detroit Soup, but I want to give our listeners a chance to hear about it. So let's talk about what Detroit Soup is. Sure. So the simplest way to describe it is Detroit Soup is a micro-granting dinner that are funding projects that are looking to make the city better. And the ideas can come from any sector, at any place of ideation, you don't have to have a business. You don't have to have a nonprofit around it. It can just be an idea phase. You submit your idea through our website, DetroitSoup.com, and then all past winners and any volunteer then has the opportunity to vote on what project gets pitched at the dinner. So four ideas have four minutes to share, four questions back from the diners, and then the diners have a chance to then eat, share, connect and vote on what project should win the $5 suggested donation from the door. The money's the least interesting thing that gets exchanged. It's really about community connection, neighborhood engagement, people sharing resources, volunteering, giving maybe more money, uh, but then also challenging each other as voters and diners on 
what project they think should win the money from the door. And so hopefully through good conversations around dinner table or waiting in line to either vote or grab food, you'll come away with maybe being challenged the way that your values or ethos or ideas are of what makes something better, which is so subjective. It's about you and where you come from and your family story and your family history. So we've been doing that for about six and a half years and have raised over $125,000 from Detroiters back to Detroiters. We're in about nine neighborhood geographies throughout the city, plus a monthly citywide soup starting in September that runs until June. And I just love this, that it's way more about business plans. It's about all these ideas. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with that element of it? How did you come up to let it be so free? Yeah, well, one, it grew from an art idea. So it was a bunch of women who were celebrating an event in Pontiac called Women, a celebration of art and culture. We loved working together. Our friend Kate had experienced a dinner like this in Chicago where you're only voting on art ideas. So we pitched it that way in Detroit, but Detroiters came back and said, hey, I have this idea about land use. I have this idea about technology. And what I found over the time is that when you put something around a silo, guess who you're only attracting? People who are attracted to that silo. If you're not interested in a topic, like I always say, if this would have started with urban farming, I will not be sitting across from you. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that urban farming exists. And because of soup, I've learned so much about it. But it wasn't something where I wake up in the morning, and I think about garden and farming. A lot of people do, but I'm not one of them. Where I think about art where other people's wouldn't. And so there's a permission with the sectorlessness of it that folks feel welcome to participate and they don't have to be an expert in anything. They don't even have to live in the neighborhood or the community. They just want to know what's happening and what voices are being shared and what ideas are being shared. And for me, if you don't have user interactment, right, how do you know your idea is good or bad? I know a lot of people who like get in their little hole, they work night and day, they believe in their idea and they start pitching it to folks and they get negative feedback, they can't change because they're so grounded because they've worked tirelessly on this idea that if it doesn't work this way, then it shouldn't work at all. Where when you pitch at something like soup, you're getting people's feedback, you're getting people's questions. I've I've heard more times than not, I've never thought of it this way. Or people will say, I'm not looking to win the money, I'm looking to get the feedback. Because as people outside of your natural network, no one owes you anything who's at this dinner but generally care and generally want to see the community succeed. So they want to hear or find out the people who are willing to genuinely do something good within the community. Maybe it is a one-time project like a cleanup or a garden project, but sometimes it's something like the Empowerment Plan or Rebel Nell or Detroit Food Academy that make long-lasting, broad, systematic changes to the way that we think about engaging with the problems and the folks that are in need within the community. So for me, it's just a couple hours and you walk away feeling enlightened about how people are being creative around solving problems within the community. Before we had met, so many people told me about you. And so one common theme though, I remember thinking, man, I've got to meet her because you leave a trail of inspiration with these events. People end up going, man, I heard this idea and It was a simple idea, and as I heard that person talk about it, it allowed me to lift my idea up a little further. It's giving people courage to get up and say, you know what, I have an idea too. And as I kept hearing this over and over again, all I could think about was, in society today, we as human beings can feel so undervalued, 
And I see this human valuation of their heart mm-hmm. coming out, like, wow, maybe my idea isn't so kooky. Maybe I'm uniquely made for yeah, something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I lived in LA for three years. And the big thing that I learned about coming back to Michigan after my time in LA is LA, New York are the creators of culture. Midwesterners are consumers of said culture. We rarely Mm -hmm. make the culture. So we always feel like there's already one rung down where this isn't for me or we didn't make it or I'm not good enough for this or I don't have those access to resources. Well, most of those people either worked really hard, moved cross country, left everything. That was the one thing about LA that I loved was everyone was there for the hustle. Everyone had a story. Like your sob story didn't matter because everyone's sob story was the same. Everyone left family. Everyone left something behind. Even listening to the Olympics, if anyone knew what I went through. Life is hard. All of us have a story. Let's think about the people who had it quote unquote easy are the ones who often struggle the most because it got hard. Right? Like child actors are all hot messes right now as they become adults because so much was given that you didn't have to work for it. So for me, you gotta work, man. Like none of these businesses just got off the ground. Being a business owner and leader in this community means it's equitable, it's sustainable, it cares about others, that you feel empowered. I look around a lot of people and I hear so many people who don't feel like their idea is good, they themselves don't feel like they're good. They don't feel like they're worthy. They don't feel like they have anything to give. I cry bull. Yeah. Because you do have things to give and you are really smart. I have zero business background. I'm a theologian. I went to seminary. <laughs> Guess what classes I never took? Business banking. We didn't have those in seminary. <laughs> so for me, all of this is like, that's hard. Like the financial piece is hard because I came from a culture of giving to a culture where I think we want to give, we just don't know how to give. And I think we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid that we might lose money. We're afraid that there'll be failure. Mm -hmm. But we need to lose money. We need to fail. We need to try harder. Things are not okay in Detroit. So if we keep thinking that, oh, I'm a business person who's figured it all out, You might be making money on money, but you're only creating a larger gap in the system for more and more people to become impoverished. So we need better access to resources. For as successful as this dinner has been, I don't take a cut from the door because $5 needs to be accessible so that you feel welcome and ready to come, that the risk is low and the experience and outcome is high, you know? And so we do our best. There are some days we get donations and most days we don't. And I'm on a podcast because I stood up and I did something and I'm really good at telling my story. I'm really bad for asking for money. I understand that. (laughs) So anyone who's listening, it's just like, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. I haven't climbed the Holy Grail and things are not perfect for me. This isn't easy, but I'm willing to wake up every day and go to the grind. I'm willing for the last five years to some months have a paycheck and most months not. I'm willing to forego my own physical health, which I'm not as much anymore, but things that I've chosen to do for the sake of this idea and the sake of the other, which I think is really unhealthy. I will say like I'm learning how to grow from that, but- Me too, commentary, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But I think in the most part though is 
I don't know what else to do because this is what I feel like I need to be doing. I love this community some days and I hate this community some days. And I love what I've been able to watch others accomplish and then I get to accomplish as well. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I just can't help but think about some things that I've learned too because I've been in a similar mm -hmm. spot as Jingrass mm -hmm. Global and doing this podcast mm -hmm. is the heart to serve has been somehow supernaturally given to me mm -hmm. because when everyone says, gosh, what are you doing? You know, no money. It's like, well, there's some other reason why we're out serving day in and day out because mm -hmm. you get caught in the passion of the community, of the people. But one important lesson I've learned over these last six years is that I put a lot more value on the money before I started this. Mm. than I do now. I have less value on the money and more value on what people can do as community. Absolutely. No question. Now, having said that, we absolutely need money because we don't live in a trade culture. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes right. we didn't. We, <laughs> I so wish we did. We have to do some of it with money. But I can tell you, I've put more, I've watched people come together that are so under-resourced. But once you activate that inspiration, mm -hmm. that brilliance together, oh my gosh. I've been amazed and astounded and so humbled. Coming out of the financial industry, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I learned the best of the best techniques of everything. Sure. So that's what moves the market. That's what I was taught for 25 mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Boy, what really moves the market is people coming together. And then yeah. money's just a tool, really. Well, that's this year I've had the most immense opportunity to go to the Global Entrepreneurship Summit that President Obama puts on. And I was one of five Detroit delegates to go and represent, and Mark Zuckerberg speak from Facebook, and he goes, you know how many times people said, well, no one outside of college will use Facebook. You know how many people who said, this person won't use it, and this person won't use it. It's that we're always looking at today is how people use things, and I get it. If you're only looking for tomorrow's dollar, I guess that's fine, but for real lasting change, art that actually matters, businesses that actually have creative change or real change within a culture, it's not this like quick fix. It's a long-term investment. It's a long-term game. It's not just about tomorrow. It's about tomorrow's tomorrow's tomorrow. When I moved here, the only grants I've received are one year. And if we really want to create sustainable solutions for Detroit, we need to think 10 to 20 year. And we need to not think three-year turnaround, we need to think 10-year turnaround. Right now we're at year seven of soup, and I just really think it could be a 10, 12-year project, but it doesn't need to be around in 45 years. If it should be around in 45 years, then we haven't fixed the problems, right, of the ecosystem, and that we continue to put more barriers of entry in. Because for me, if people are coming to soup the way that they have, then they don't know how to access the door into the ecosystem. They're coming to us because we're there, we're present, we're not an institution. It's flexible, it's fluid, it moves, it changes. The ideas are always different. There's no one set pattern. It's all these different ideas. And so because of that, it doesn't fit in a box and it doesn't fit in this one solution that there's a lot of different solutions and it's the people behind those solutions that we should be hearing their voices and seeing how they're filling the gaps. And maybe it does need to be around a little bit longer than that, but I think that that's our own selfish like need to root things rather than letting it grow into an ecosystem that has better doors to enter into. 
you're actually going back to the way nonprofits were created to be to get in and solve a yeah. solution. You're and really honoring totally. the original. For yeah. as untraditional as I am, this is so traditional. And then thinking about my theology background, like, of course, I would find like a traditional model. Poverty can get solved in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the three trillion or five trillion dollars are going to fight wars, we can find some of that money to get back into education, find better loan system for housing for all people. We need to continue to create equity so that we're all reaching at a same level for the same thing. Now, not all of us have the same drive and that we can get caught up in trauma and vulnerability to take us away from the things that give us joy, but some of us don't wanna work 10, 15 hours a day. And that just means you have to work longer at it. Right. But maybe you're being healthier about it. Right. We live in a culture that doesn't value the self, doesn't value the other, that we're independent human beings that are independent of each other. But really, we are wonderful humans built with so many gifts and talents that live in a space that are meant to draw on each other as support systems and create healthy, safe communities where if we really believe that our children can thrive, then we need to really create communities where children can thrive because they're just many adults, right? Right. They're adults longer than they are children, so... Let's create safer, healthier communities for these little mini adults to be better thriving adult adults. (laughs) Right. So. And you hit on something too. This term self-made, I've been thinking about this a lot. People who brag about this, it's really reliant on, it becomes a really prideful statement. Mm -hmm. And here in Detroit, it really is more community made. And that's really more what Detroit Soup is. Are you finding that the people who are now your regular attenders, do you get a sense that they come back because of the community and enjoy the community. I would think there's some I think they're attraction. really inspired by the folks who are pitching. Mm. I think some of them are past winners that feel so supported and feel like they have they want to give something back or be a part of the community mm. for the next person that comes through. Yeah. That's the point. And that we are always around. There's always another dinner. There's always the next thing. There's always... I have friends since the beginning of Super Bowl. I'm so embarrassed. I still haven't gone. I go, well, lucky for you that there's another one and someday there's not going to be the next one but there's something if you can take time out of a sunday night to even come to a citywide soup i think you'll walk away inspired i think you're going to walk away feeling connected you're going to walk away that you weren't entertained but you were empowered to give your voice to find your own power to walk alongside each other's not by giving your power away but bringing other people's power into equity, Mm. you know? And I think that that's something that you can't put dollar amounts onto. You You can't pay for that. And a lot of, a lot of folks are trying to, you just have to create it. Creating safe space is what we do because we're not the funders of any of the projects, right? You didn't give the money to Detroit soup choose. You put your money in so you could choose. Yeah. And it's your responsibility to follow up with these folks. We give so many much power to institutions that we forget that the power lies in us. Yes. Yeah. So we got to bring our power back and then and we'll yeah. speak truth to that power. Right. Right. Will you just dive a little deeper in that statement you said of empowering another's equity? What, sure. What is your definition of that? I met with my dear friend, Yodit, who runs new nonprofit enterprises at work, new.org. She was on our podcast oh, for, well, for, li- yeah, for lips and hips. Lips and hips. So <laughs> I just met with Yodit, and I've seen this on the internet before, but behind her desk was this photo. 
And it was equality, which was like a tall man, a middle-sized woman, and a child all reaching for an apple, and the tall man was the only one. The apples are all there, but the tall man had the only reach, tall enough to reach the apple. Equity is that all three are at the same height level, if you will, to reach for that apple, because the apple it should be accessible to all, which means that we're all at the same footing. No matter how tall, what's your gender, what's your race or ethnicity, that none of that stuff should matter, but it's about the work that you're willing to do. Right, so making sure that everybody has access to it, but everybody still has to do their own reaching for that. A- absolutely. Okay. One of those kids could say, but I don't want that apple. Cool. But at least the apple was available. Right. Right. right? And that we see that in the school systems. If you have a lot of money for your school system, guess what kids do better? Oh, (laughs) academic success. And communities that don't have the same kind of access to education often don't do as well. And you see this in Detroit, too, where we got a lot of problems and we're trying to figure out how to make that a better. But children should never be commodified. Right. And education should be the one safe space in our all of our culture where you don't get to be rich off of some kid's poverty. Right. Let's go to the other place that we talked about, uh, specific to the quick fixes that mm. we've witnessed here in Detroit that we're not judgmental of, but I know that's something on your heart that you want to share, mm-hmm. specific to how it relates to Detroit Soup. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So... I think a lot of times we feel like six months to a year, we should have have solved a problem for X. What happens if we solve a problem for X in a year is that four new problems should be popping up because we see, you know, where the gaps are in the system because by closing one gap only clears the way to see another gap. So when we started Detroit Soup, A, I didn't think it turned into what it has turned into, but B, the one thing I did have in my mind was that there was time. There was time to build, there was a time to grow, there was a time to make bad choices and there was time to make good choices and hopefully good choices would lead to like the failures to help us understand what we were doing right or wrong. We needed to just jump in, we needed to do something. And if we had it all figured it out when I started here six, well, I wouldn't still be sitting here seven years later thinking we had it all figured out. There's always a gap to be filled. There's always something in somebody's life that needs that place of access or for things to be combined and resources to be shared. And I think what the problem is that downtown is revitalizing faster than anyone could have imagined. I mean, downtown said make it for what, 50 years? And then within three years, it's not anybody's any longer. It's changed so fast that I don't think that there's been enough time for people to kind of catch up to the change, to the rapid growth that's happening, that folks who were just finally feeling stabilized with their rent now got jacked up two times the amount. Detroit was awesome because there was a community. Detroit was awesome, and it still is awesome. It's just a different kind of, it's just different, and different kind of awesome maybe, but I just hope that we are conscious of our choices, that as we sit in Pony Ride, which is 60 cents a square foot, in a community that's between eight and $12 a square foot to now downtown that's $34 a square foot to neighborhoods that could be $8 a square foot. And I mean that by rental spaces. Are we ready for that? Do we have the same kind of type, that number of people living in neighborhoods on a Sunday afternoon to keep that business afloat as it does on a Friday night? I think these businesses are important. 
I think change is important. I think the revitalization that's happening has been very important. And a lot of folks' voices have been involved in it. Let's not feel like you moving into town or now you coming back into town is saving Detroit. Let's take that savior complex and never use it again. None of us are saviors to anything. We're just humans trying to solve for X or Y or purple and participate and give your dollars. And let's keep small businesses the core identity of what we're doing in Detroit. I think we'll have a city that we'll really be proud of. I just remember also when I first moved here, there'd be groups from MIT or Harvard and they do a two week workshop and they give plans and be like, okay, here's how you change this problem. And you're like, hey, where's, did you bring money with it? No. Did you bring leadership with it? No. Did you make a home here? No. Well, then that project's not gonna stay because who's gonna run it? Right. You know, and that's something too to think about it. I just see in the last six months to a year, there's a thousand small business conferences that are coming to Detroit. Okay, fine, but like you start a small business. You open up shop. We have the resources here and they've been on the ground. They've been grassroots. They've been access to neighborhoods and they're trusted. Yes, that's a huge thing too. Right, and the one thing I learned when I started things in Detroit, you can do a one-time only event, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna be around here a year later? Right. Two years later? Cause soup is, so is build. Right. Right? Where the name is known, people have stories from it, and they trust it, and the word of mouth pays why we're still here. Right. But I'd like to have now that be a little bit more resourceful. Yeah, so let's talk about that, changing the norms. And thank you for that commentary, because you have such a unique perspective. You are... And it's just my perspective, right? right? It's not everybody's. I don't speak for all of Detroit. It is my life that happens to be in Detroit. (laughs) Well, that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, right? It's about you. You really challenge the norms Mm. when it comes to fundraising and dollars. And while you've self-selected into saying, no, I'm not very good at it, I would disagree. I think probably... I'm not good at fundraising for myself. I'm good at fundraising for others. (laughs) It is more awkward when you're asking for yourself Mm -hmm. because we can tend to undervalue our organization. Totally. By the very nature of what makes our organizations good, we're highlighting others. We can tend mm-hmm. to dismiss ourselves mm-hmm. too far. That's mm-hmm. a word for everyone. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or you're asking for dollar amounts 17 times the dollar amount that we're asking from the door, but like that just shows the gap in the system yet again, right? Right. right. So primarily your funders have come from foundation-type mm-hmm. many, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And so what do you see as your challenges and how are you you're challenging the norms mm. by both your verbal commentary right you're speaking the truth which is so sure. so so important but let's talk about that a little bit about what your current situation is what your current barriers that you're running into and anything that you're finding ways to overcome it or break through well i think the biggest thing that i've learned by running this project is that because it's so big and so it's so free in the sense of not like dollar amount free but like there is no rules or governance or laws or things around it that anybody at any point, it really, it stops kind of like the giving thing in its track of like, well, of course it's a great idea. Of course we want to give, but we only are allowed to give to entrepreneurial ecosystem. I'm like, okay, well we fit a lot of that box, but not the whole box. And then and people go, oh man, I'm really going to have to work hard at finding the right language that you could fit in the box for us. 
we fit in the art box because we are artistic in the way that we interact, have people interact. And it is you yourself for this art project and you yourself for this like living, breathing, like interaction. That's so fascinating, but because it's entrepreneurial in a sense, it's not hundred percent art. So we don't fit in that box and we're civic engagement because we're really helping people practice democracy, but we're not in a sense where we're teaching people how to vote for candidates, that particular candidates about going to the voting booth per se. So we're civic engagement, but we're not, so we don't fit in that box. So what I found is that there aren't a lot of foundations out there or organizations that can wiggle outside of their own restrictions, right? And so the way that the policy is made is that because of their own governances from the federal law. Because of the way that it's set up through the federal government, I should have just picked the box. But I didn't know that I had to do that. But again, then so now I guess that's the artist in me that's just like, well, let's pressure it until something changes because this is really important. Or we need to figure out a way that it lives within the entrepreneurial ecosystem so it can fit in the entrepreneurial box by not having to give the same kind of data though of XYZ spheres. Yeah, you how know, many jobs you create. And how many jobs would be created because I'm not creating a job that day. Right. It's the three years later, but three years later is too long for most instant pleasure that we love in America that we can say, oh, look what I did right now. And often the data's already two years too late. So most of the barriers that you run into when you apply are for... Are the things that we've box. protected to make ourselves feel like we could do the right thing. I talked to a couple millennial leaders, so like 26-year-olds today. And I said, and they're like on this unique experience of like getting all these people starting projects all throughout America to like sit down and talk together. I was like, how many sticky notes have you thrown away on this trip? They're like, a lot. I'm like, yeah, we can sit around and we can plan, 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 plan. And as college-educated people, we want to make sure that everything's like aligned. But life isn't that way. And we see the way that if you want to walk into like social services, you have to fill out a 50-page form. Right now I'm looking for health insurance and I have to go through, I qualified for 92 different plans. 92? Now I just feel like I'm getting taken advantage of. Now I feel like what's right for me. And so for us, it's just like, we're so afraid that over, I don't, I don't know, like the boxes are so set up so that we're protecting ourselves, but we're protecting ourselves from what we could really achieve. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There's this, I want to say like an artificial wall Yeah, in between the people who say they'd like to give some of the larger organizations that tell a lot of stories about feeding a social mission, but I find somehow it's blocked coming into Detroit sometimes mm-hmm. into organizations like yours and others I can think of that are having multiple, multiple arms of impact. With such low budgets. Like I would like to say that we've done all this work with less than $150,000 a year. That's amazing. That's amazing. And if people don't know, most organizations that function on our level are at anywhere from 500000 to a million dollars a yeah. year. Yeah, there is a little bit of a dismissal when you don't have a big budget. There's an assumption almost that you must not be getting it done somehow. Like all of a sudden sure. the eyes go off the impact we, and on to, well, there's no way they could keep it going. Yeah. yeah, if you don't give to me, yeah, we can't keep it going. But I'm also so honest with myself. If we didn't raise more than 125 last year, 
then how am I supposed to do this again and now double it? And then three years down the loan, double that again? Right. I'm more realistic than that. I'm a better organizer than I am a fundraiser, but I'm also a white woman and that could be a problem too. So, or it can give me other things. And I'm just a bridge builder. And I just hope that people understand that as we start this I-75 project, it's gonna take 14 years to just widen the road. Imagine how long it takes to change systematic poverty, right? If it's gonna take 14 years, so I'll be 50, no, 49. Let's just say it's gonna take a little bit longer too. I'll be 50 years old. My nieces will be in college. They're not babies anymore at that point. You know what I'm saying? So a lot changes very quickly. And yet we look at old information and it takes a really long time for us to say yes. Can we just say yes and move on? Can we just say yes and like maybe lose a little bit of money? But the thing is, is that we're not creating new jobs and we're not creating new markets and we're want to bring manufacturing back to Detroit, but we're sitting on buildings and we're not doing anything with them and that we're not bringing industry into it. It needs to be all of us together that, that put it all in there. And if you have money, give, because you're going to get a lot back in return. If you want to see jobs created, help be a part of making that happen. Right. What could this look like if, the truth of what you know at this moment, Yeah. what could this look like if you let yourself really dream big about Detroit Soup? Soup has been in a hundred, now has been modeled in 120 cities around the world. If I had the budget, I think we would have had an education component of teaching others how to start a soup thoughtfully and equitably in their community, how not to skip steps and like a year long, like checking in. I think we are sitting on a global storytelling of mm. entrepreneurs and ideators around the world who are solving problems and then can be connected through this suit model. I think that in Detroit, we could be building a fund where it's slow repayment without the same checks and balances. It's like, if you have a felony, well, that's an uninteresting to me. Are you passionate? Did you go through the steps? Are you changing your life? Are you changing your opportunities? Are you trying to make things better within your community? Are you working towards things? You should be able to get maybe a loan over a slow payback with low interest. I don't think that that's scary because if you're going through the ecosystem healthily, you'll be ready, but we have to believe in the ecosystem. Yeah, and let right? it take time because these are, yeah. We're not robots, you know? No. Oh, it's, I say if you're working with plants or people, I mean, or animals, things that are alive with their own life, it's gonna take its own natural, organic steps and, and paths, and it's not clear. It's a little messy, but it's wonderful and exciting, but it takes a minute. And there are a lot of people <laughs> who are outside of your sphere of understanding yeah. who are creating things for their crew, and we're seeing that in media, I think, in a big way, right? So my father grew and mother grew up with you know, the five TV stations and we're all watching the same things and you get 40 to 50 million people watching I Love Lucy, right? And right now you're lucky. I think Big Bang Theory is the only TV show that has a large amount of viewers. Everybody else, if you get a million, you're doing a great job. Yeah, because there's so many choices now. There's so many choices yeah. and I think that that's real and that's beautiful and exciting and so, Whatever those choices might be, we gotta let them be that way, but we don't live in a world anymore where there's a singular voice. What makes us laugh any longer? There's a lot of different voices. We all come at it 
when we find things that excite us or speaking to a place where we are in our life. And I think that that's the same thing with business. Is there's businesses being created that are totally outside of your sphere. Do you watch Grace and Frankie? It's on no. Netflix. Okay, so this like older women, but they're the whole premise is that they're creating products for women in their 60s and 70s because no one's doing it. You know, and I think that that speaks to truth to where we are in our lives right now. Like, all, any of us at any point in our lives can create something that can change the world. Yeah. And, oh, or I'm your totally world, good. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I just feel like I have a, a view of what can jostle an ecosystem. Yeah. Because I think that what we're figuring out, I think in a couple of years, we can give over to Grand Rapids, we can give to Flint, we can give to Cleveland, we can help in the south side of Chicago, Philly, things that have large amounts of urban poverty but has foundations we can help create a roadmap of this is how you can do this right and mm -hmm. then anything else that you want to say about any of the people that you've seen come through your program I just I mean there's so many and there's so many voices that I get to just see the tip of the iceberg of but because they live maybe in Brightmore or on the east side I don't get to see on a daily basis but I just think that if you have an idea I think the haters are there just to keep you going as something to, <laughs> at least for me, like kind of rally her for. And they help me ask the questions about, well, why not? And no one has your passion. No one has your vision. And that's what Mark Zuckerberg said. I kept waiting for somebody else to do it. And as nobody else was doing it, I just kept moving forward with it. Right? Don't mimic your product after something already exists. You don't know the rooted value of what they've done or the ecosystem behind it. Create your thing, your way, and how your user vision. Then use Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But I can't tell you how many times I heard people go, well, I'm going to create the news Facebook of. I'm going to go, no, there's one Facebook. Right. And they created it. And we use that one thing. We're not using 17 different platforms. Right. And we do. We use a few now. Instagram, yeah. Twitter, Snapchat. Yeah. And there's some, like risk takers who's using products that I don't even know about. Snapchat specifically. I feel like I'm outside of that out of that world now. I didn't learn how to communicate through video. I learned how to create through language and words. And yet video is the way that I think a lot of people are communicating with now. Yeah. You know, things are changing. Do it your way or don't do it. Do you. Do what you feel is how you see the world, how you make sense out of it. Don't be something that you're not. Be Stick to your roots and stick to your truth. Knowledge is something that you can always obtain. Yeah. But you trying to fit into how you think somebody... And the biggest thing I've learned at Soup is when we do pitch practices, I hear this almost every time we do it with every single person. Well, this is what I thought this person would want to hear. I go, who is this person that you imagine you're talking to? Let's bring this back. What do you want to tell me? No, what do you want to tell yourself if you are going to buy into this thing? And people are like, whoa. Well, permission to... We're always looking permission. for permission. We're always looking for permission. You know who's the only person who's going to give you permission? Yourself. <laughs> yes, Period. such a good word. Oh, man, that's such a good word. I want to stay talking to you. But how would they reach you? Any website, social yeah. media? Well, the easiest, best, comprehensive view of Detroit Soup is DetroitSoup.com. If you want to continue to follow past winners and pairing up future events, Facebook and Twitter is the best place to do that. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're on that. And all of that is Detroit Soup. 
And if you want to contact me, you're more than welcome to shoot me an email at amy at DetroitSoup.com. And just because you heard me on a podcast doesn't mean that you can't email me. <laughs> and I will get back to you. Maybe not in two hours, but I'll get back to you. Thank you, Amy, for everything you're doing. Thank you. You know, I know we're going to keep talking about some other things because you and I are working on potentially trying to get some funding together and in an investment fund for what you're doing and growing your capacity. And, man, I'm honored to be at the table there. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, for the great conversation and your courageous leadership in Detroit. You're truly a catalyst. Well, it's that time again to close with a song. As you know, our songs are curated out of Assemble Sound in Detroit, and this song is by artist Tim Schumack, and the song title is You. Song on the radio, always singing about you. 
Say it's just a phase now Better in a couple of days